This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Let's move on. Next question coming. What do we got? Ham D. And what's up, Ham D? Thank you very much for the contribution. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening to you. Thoughts about Randall's pod interview? Seems like a different guy than the player on the court. Not watching film. Uh, DJ, I think I saw you comment on the interview, yeah. maybe. Uh, so, yeah, so take I did. this one. Go ahead. Sure. Um, so. Hey, I mean, this is like this goes back to Chris Weber. And so just in terms of like him being a different guy. Than you know he was on the pod versus who he is on the court, and it just reminded me of Weber in this sense where he would play with, with a scowl the entire time. And I don't know if you if you look up any Chris Weber highlights, even when things are going well, like he was never smiling and just seemed like an angry guy most of the time. And then when, when you would interview him, you would talk to him, and then he's become a broadcaster in his uh, post uh, NBA career. He's a genuinely wonderful, jovial, happy person. And I, th- I think Randall falls in that category where every time you see him off the court, he's personable, he's affable, he has a great sense of humor, he's got a great laugh, he's he's funny. Um, he just has a. There are certain guys that have the same sort of disposition on or off the court. He is not one of them. It is night and day. And I, I think it's nice to see him. I don't know if that w- it ended up going two hours. It, it might have been, but it was just a really nice window into him as a person he was just very laid back and paul george i mean to his credit he has not been doing this for a long time in terms of the the podcasting interviewing but he really gets guys to open up i thought it was a fantastic uh interview and there was the mention to the the film watching where randall alluded a couple of times where he's not a film guy but then he also contradicted that in a few different spots saying he had just he had become more of a film guy later on in his career so um you know maybe he is not in the upper echelon in terms of watching film, uh, in terms, you know, compared to other NBA players. Uh, I, I know he's, he, he made mention that he does do it now. And I feel like that is certainly something that most every, I mean, every player can, um, take advantage of and it's a benefit. And I don't know necessarily how to compare that because I don't really have a window into anyone else's film viewing in terms of like what his, uh, contemporaries are doing, but, I mean, obviously, film watch for a player is uh, critical, and I'm sure he is getting fed uh, clips from the Knicks, from his trainer on a, a daily basis, if not, you know, maybe weekly basis in terms of things that um, are maybe some things you got to work on in the offseason or just uh, some priorities going to next season. But overall, it was just a really cool way to see Julius as just a person. He just, he just seemed like a really fun guy to just... Um, hang out with. And he really had a lot of good stories about his Laker time, which I thought were um, phenomenal was there during the the famous Kobe blow up with um, Nick Young, where he was uh, Kobe saying, yeah, I don't know. You guys aren't doing anything for me. Um, that whole practice situation, Randall was actually getting taped up or was in rehab at the point, but he heard what was going on on the court. So a fantastic interview, but I think the film stuff did get overblown a little bit because uh, people kind of hung on to the fact that he said he didn't watch film, but then as I mentioned, he did go back and say that he does um, 
watch uh, now. Uh, and I, I just feel like every player is watching some level of film. It just it's too easy to get to, too easy to send clips back and forth. You can just watch them on your phone, right? So uh, I'm sure he is. And, uh, you know, maybe there is, he's always got something new every season that he's going to go uh, come to. So maybe this, the fact that he hasn't been playing on the court for a while during this rehab, during this injury, maybe there he is upping his, his film watch because that's the one thing you can do when you aren't uh, obviously on the court playing. Plus his burner follows both of us. So he gets plenty of film that way. That's right? that true. Yes. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I look, I, one thing I don't think anybody can possibly say about Julius Randall is that he hasn't grown and evolved and changed his game mm. over the course of his career. I, I would argue perhaps one of the most unique development stories ever. Um, now, it, maybe that's not a result of watching film. I, I would guess that part of it is. But like this is a guy who at every stop, sometimes multiple times within one stop, has had to significantly alter the way he plays he went from uh, basically a a full-time slasher roller at a college even into la at the four position turned himself into like a part-time five stretch five with 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 new orleans comes to new york has that one year that was a wash and then becomes like a mid-range like Kawhi leonard type shot diet player Mm. Then has to change again, and like the Knicks again, significantly altered his shot diet this year, and he and he does it. Like this is not a guy who's too stubborn to change. He has changed as much, if not more, than any player in the NBA playing today. Like it. So I don't, you know, people call him stubborn, or like on the court at times he might be because he, he, at least in terms of like he's not, he doesn't play fast. But to me, that has much more to do with just a skill mm-hmm. and, and processing speed than it does with like a guy who's not putting in enough time. Like Julius puts in all the time. Guy works extremely hard. You can't work. You can't do what he's done in his career, let alone come off the injury that he came off of. And in the first game and, and then change your game as often as he has to as much success as he's had. Like I, I, there are criticisms to be had about Julius Randall. I have made and levied many of them. One of the, like, the amount of time he puts in or effort or focus like I, I, that, I don't buy um, maybe effort on defense sometimes. Yes. But like effort and preparation, I, I can't just because of one clip on a, on a Paul George podcast. I, I I'm not there. I won't, I'm not going to go there. Um, this is a guy who, who gives the game all the attention it deserves. Um, and whether on the court persona aside, and there are issues there and like he does get in his own head and he does process the game ticks slower than you want. And he doesn't often or always give the requisite defensive effort. I don't think that's because he doesn't care. I, I think it's whatever it, it's other things. I think he just, he had some guys have a great motor and he doesn't necessarily all the time. Um, but like, right. I, I don't know. I, I didn't like everything that was made of that. I think that was kind of silly. Um, I just don't, I, I think that's not giving him enough credit for what he's accomplished. Over. He couldn't shoot coming into the, his career, right? I mean, he couldn't literally shoot. couldn't shoot. He wasn't, he was not a non-threat and he's turned into a guy that can incredibly make step back threes and yeah, I score mean, 50 points in an NBA game. I mean, he is a look, and, and, phenomenal. The, uh, yeah, go ahead. Let's talk. If you finish, please go ahead. No, I mean, you said it. He's a 
legendary in terms of the skill development from where he was coming into the league to where he is now. It's, yeah. it's so unique and six, nine, two fifty. the way he moves, the way he can um, get in and out of his, his um, uh, three point shot is just, it's incredible. Um, it's not, he cares. He's a very serious competitor that has major flaws in terms of processing speed and his, and there are certain things that the way that his disposition is something that you have to take into account. It is, it's not an ideal disposition on the court. It is what it is. It's a, it's, I don't, you're not changing that. You just have to work with it. He's not a perfect player, but who is, and for what the Knicks are, you know, they signed him to a contract that he is. I mean, it's a, it couldn't have worked out any better in terms of this past season. We want the playoffs obviously change. We'll see. That's a different, um, different beast, but yeah. And, I, and, I, I and, and not even just on the skill development side, like uh, we, we still get frustrated about that. Maybe he's slow to handle a double. That's actually not to me the issue. I actually think he's improved a ton at handling doubles. And I think the numbers actually back up that he's a very successful player out of double teams. I think he's really improved in his reads. Like, and that has to include some film watching. Like that's not just, I mean, it's experience is the greatest teacher and he's gone through it now and he's mm-hmm. learned from that. But also like, if you don't think he's like breaking it down and watching where his reads are and fig- like, he's figured that out. Like, like that season, three seasons ago, the the entire offense was built around him reading the whole teams and they were pretty mm-hmm. successful at it. Like mm-hmm. they, they made the playoffs with that. Um, obviously mostly built on a defense, but their offense was good enough and it was all him. That whole offense was him creating. So, no, this is a guy that has, I think, is is putting in the work um, in the pregame setting. I, I just am not getting there. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now, you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird. 
B-I-R-D, dogs, D-O-G-S, dot com, and promo code POOL, P-O-O-L, to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right, go ahead. You take this one, DJ. Yeah, um, so this is Juan Sex Fitty Juan. Uh, thank you for that super chat <laughs> contribution, and thank you for uh, allowing me to to say your name. I mean, yes, was, I'm strategically handing these off. That, I see that <laughs> <laughs> offering uh, over the top praise and and yeah, one sex. There you go. See, let's see. Thanks for uh, those assists. I appreciate it. <laughs> Were you a pastor in college? I don't know. Absolutely not. Only when just you put, had to, right? Just putting them up, <laughs> baby. Just putting them up. All right. Uh, will the Knicks get similar or less value for Obi than the Hawks did for Collins? Ooh. Um, so we should say that it was basically a salary dump going. Uh, so Collins going to Utah for Rudy Gay. Um, a straight salary dump um, for the Hawks, right? I mean, there isn't. there was nothing in terms of value for the Hawks other than cleaning up their cap sheet. So, I think that's right. Uh, I yeah. think if you're basing on that, um, I would say the Knicks will get more value for OB because I think that I don't think the Knicks would trade him if this is if it would be a, a, a commensurate situation. So, I mean, it, it's shocking in terms of where John Collins was a couple of seasons ago in the playoffs against the Knicks and the fact that he's been in trade rumors for how many years now that this is what they had to do. But listen, they have a, a DeJounte Murray extension coming up. They have to worry about a Kongu rookie extension. Sadiq Bey's got a contract extension coming up. They had to clear that space out. So this was a strict salary dump from all, for all intents and purposes for the Hawks. And they're also going to free up some space for, uh, to play Jalen Johnson. So we'll see how he can take advantage of that at the four. Um, so I would say that the Knicks would pretty comfortably, if they were to trade Obi, get more value than a strict salary dump situation. Even if it's yeah, like a couple of seconds, it's it's just going to be more value, I think. Yeah, I don't know if Obi's yielding a, a, a one-year post pre-extension. Obi's yielding a first. I don't think so. Um, but he's probably getting a draft pick, second rounders. And and you might be able to get like a player in a similar boat where right. like just not working out. Like, I mean, Duarte is the first guy that comes to mind. But that, that trade's been floated before, right? Like you can get a similar age player who hasn't, you know, just needs a new... Needs to change the scenery, maybe open up a, a rotation spot, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I would agree with you. And that's not necessarily to say that that Obi's a better player than John Collins. Um, yeah, it's a contract situation, right? It's I just mean, a, it's a contract, and it's yeah. the Hawks, frankly, just just bungling this. I mean, they they, should, they could have traded him four different times. They've been dangling this guy for four years now, and when you do that long enough. Uh, you project that he doesn't have any value and y- y- they didn't take deals that were probably out there because they wanted more. And sometimes you end up with this um, right get and, to a desperate place. And it was widely reported that Landry feels the GM had a mandate to get under the luxury tax. So, I mean, if you have that and you're obviously the one contract you're everyone's going to point to is the Collins number, then you're not going to get any value can, for that. Teams can I mean, smell your desperation, right? Absolutely. They know. They know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, just along the, before we transition, though, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this Utah front line right now. So John Collins, Lowry Markinen, I assume is going to be your three. And uh, I assume Kessler will be your five starting. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, Lowry has wing skills. So I think the offensive fit personally will be fine. Defensively, it's another another situation. But how do you view the this new look? 
uh, assuming everyone stays this Utah front line. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know. Can they trade? Uh, how does, what are the, I don't know the rules. Can they trade Collins? Like, are they, is he definitely playing for Utah next year? Yeah, I mean, that's I, I, I'm, I assume they could trade him. And that, I did wonder if the, he was just going to, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, don't, I'm not, I'm, I guess I'm not bought in unless I'm missing a cap rule that I don't know. But I, I'm not buying in that this guy is necessarily starting game one, or playing game one. I don't Let's know. assume there, there he is starting in that yeah. front um, I would. I probably wouldn't start him. Um, because they also have a Linux. Jeez, it's crowded. It's crowded. <laughs> um, doesn't really make any sense, frankly. But he's a creative coach, Hardy. He, yeah. Offensively, yeah. I, I don't really yeah. love it because, like, John Collins, the, the whole value now, his three point shot fell off a cliff. Um, yeah. Right. Big problem. But like, his best value is his. He is a phenomenal roller and finisher. That's what he does best. Um, and not having Trey Young. To be the feeder is going to hurt him a lot, by the way. Yep. But that was a pretty dynamic duo. I don't know. I I would guess he comes off the bench with Olinick because then Olinick can stretch. You you could probably play you play Kessler. I mean, they're, they're all versatile, right? I mean, between Lowry Olinick, you have two guys who can really play stretch, and then you have Collins can kind of get more time. I'd probably separate Collins and Kessler. I guess is what I'm saying, right? Yeah, uh, at least as much as I can. Because right. I, I know Kessler probably plays what twenty five minutes a game. I don't think he plays a ton more than that. Maybe more. Um, and maybe you split it that way, and you let you let Collins play with Olinick, and that's that would be pretty dynamic. Um, at least offensively. Yeah, See, I think they're going to start them. And all I three. I think they're going to start all three. Larry, back to his small forward days at, in Cleveland. He, he played a little bit of it last this past season, and I think in terms of a like in, in Olinick Kessler lineups. Yes. Now, yeah. if you look at him and just in terms of a forget his size and but if you just look at his profile as a scorer, I mean he's a he's a wing. I mean he does a lot of wing stuff. Yes. I mean, so I think you can get it's an easy fit or a pretty easy fit for it to play him at the three. Now the issue is if Collins, you, you mentioned the shooting, I mean, it, re, it really fell off the cliff. I think he was under thirty percent this past season. Yeah, I know there was a finger injury or something. There was that, that? Yeah, yeah. So and it, but it is another example, right, of a team just they're going big, right? It's there's been a few of them now and Lowry's actually been in a couple. So he's got, he had the experience of that last year in, uh, in Cleveland before the trade. So, yeah, I don't know. This reeks to me of a, of an asset play by Utah though. And like taking advantage of, of the fact that he was just like available. And I think they'll try to move. I just, I, why would I don't look Lowry had the best year of his career and an all NBA caliber year at the four. And I understand he played some three, but like, why would you, I'm not sure what I like John Collins. I think John Collins is a good player. I think he he kind of took the brunt of a lot of criticism he didn't deserve in Atlanta. But like, uh, you have Lowry Into at the four of the super successful season. You have a you have a, a rim protecting stretch five, uh, not stretch five, a, a, a rookie last year in yep. Kessler that was dominant in Spurs defensively. Mm -hmm. I I just don't I don't really understand why you would make this move in terms of like we need to bring John Collins into play. I, that's my I'm just guessing. But it is well, an interesting thought exercise. If they yeah. do all play, I don't know what they're going to do, but it, I don't know. It seems strange to me from Utah's perspective. It does. It does seem strange, but I think you're right. I think they figured, listen, we're going to get a free player, right? That's yeah. got yeah. some value yeah. that we can always uh, move somewhere else or see if it works and then make the move. Um, quite before we get to, before we get to any second question, I want, I, it struck me because John Collins has always been a comp for, for me. Obi? For Obi, uh, yeah. maybe like I think when he first got there, I watched him in summer league. I'm like, that's to me 
a really interesting uh, when Collins was shooting decently. Um, like if we can get OB to Collins level as a shooter, which I think he now is at, if that hasn't surpassed already. Yep. Um, a really explosive finisher, but like in Atlanta's offense, Collins was given opportunities to, to screen and roll. That's the, and to play some, to play at least not, not last year. Cause they have uh, Okongu came and now it gets the, all the backup five minutes, but before he came and when Atlanta had a very had a lot of success with him as a small ball five, um, when Capella sat, that was always to me, the best path to success for OB. Um, there are a lot of similarities, I think, um, not the strongest guys, but really vertical, really good vertical leapers. Um, Collins developed a bit of like a face-up game, like one dribble max, like a little pull-up that was that that he could go to at times that Obi hasn't had the opportunity, frankly, to to show. But it, it that was a good comp to me, and like his fall from grace here, it just has me wondering, like the place of the traditional quote-unquote or the non-wing able power forwards in the league. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. Do you, do you have to be like a Julius Randall type where you are it, a high volume three point shooter that can, that has some playmaking ability. Lowry. Lowry. Right. And it, Julius it, actually said it on that podcast. He's like, listen, you can't be Carlos Boozer anymore. You can't be, I mean, that is an extreme example of right. Um, but you have to be a, you have to be a threat. And John Collins, even when he's going well as a shooter, I don't know if he's necessarily treated like a, you know, spacing uh, legitimate threat out there. So that or, is- right. Or his success was dependent upon playing some five, but yeah. he's not a rim protector. So yeah. good point. You have like the Draymond greens of the world who aren't a threat, but forget about the playmaking side of it. But like I can put you at the five and you can be a really good defender down there um, and, and change the game that way. And if you can't do that, you can't slide to five and you can't really defend wings, which I don't really think Obi or Collins can do like really well. They're okay on a switch. Mm -hmm. Like they can hold up, but neither is going to be like, you're not going to be super comfortable them guarding good wings or point guards. That is, that is a position and uh, the boozer type really like that. That is, that is the archetype that seems to be falling out of favor in the league. Now Obi developing a three point shot is going to help. Um, and you know maintain his value and 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 i think obviously he does some things so well like the transition stuff that he does like the energy that he provides there's a player in there that can be super valuable and useful it's just it is a bit of a wake-up call this collins thing where like that's a good basketball player who's had a lot of success in the league who just had no value and that is crazy and kind of wild to think about and again the team context contributed to that the desperation that other teams probably saw and that they had to get rid of him like i don't think he has no value I, and i think uh, again i think the jazz might create some value mm. but certainly not a lot of value and that's kind of a cautionary tale for ob um you have to find a way to contribute whether it's sliding up sliding down because that four position it almost just doesn't exist anymore uh, it's hard to find around the league I agree with you. And the last thing I'll say, you know, you had mentioned both being explosive leapers. I will say it feels like at least watching them that John Collins is a quicker leaper getting to his apex where I think if you put them both and you tested them in a empty gym, it would be, they would be very similar, but it just feels like Collins can get into his jump a little bit quicker than Obi. The low time might be a little bit uh, quicker. And it, it just, when you're, you're dealing with like nanoseconds, right. In terms of like when a shot blocker gets over and it's a contest at the rim. So I think that ability by Collins to get off the ground a little quicker is a difference between the two. Great point. Um, all right, let's move on. Handy. What do we got on player development? 
Ah, that's our that's our wheelhouse. Here we go. How much can a player truly change in the off season? Who do you think on the Knicks will come back a different player? Uh, we touched on this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, a player can truly change. We talked about. I mean, I just talked about Julius for a while. How much he's changed over the years? Absolutely, players change every year. They improve. They change their games. They add elements. This is a tried and true fact. Guys improve in the off season and come back different. Whether it's a shot, whether it's handle, whether it's uh, strength can totally change a player. Um, absolutely, it's real, and, and and it happens every single year. On the Knicks, I think all the young guys, I, I think everybody can come back a different player. Um, I think there's every, every, you know, every player has what to improve on on this team. There are no, no, there are no, uh, there are no Jokic's out there. So I think, um, I mean, we can go player by player, but who do I think will come back a different player? Yeah, I'm going to go Grimes. I think Grimes it, is going to come is back. Driving is that the part that you think he could really that realistically improve on and be a viable weapon for him? I do. Yeah, I yeah. do. I, and I think, by the way, I, I think some of it is too is just like reps. I, I you know, yeah, he right now is at one speed all the time. There is no, <laughs> there is no chill. There is no cadence. Like it's catch and go and full speed to the rim and make a decision. I think that stuff will start to the game will just slow down for him. It, it, we forget he's basically a rookie last year. Like he, he didn't play a lot in his first year um, and like had a lot of success. He had a really, really good year um, in a lot of ways. So I think he'll probably build some strength defensively. We know what he can do. Um, that's the guy I'm pinpointing as someone who will make a big step next year. It's a good one. Um, this is more of a, specific skill set. Um, yeah. I feel like it was a, it was an issue definitely in the playoffs. I think if Mitchell Robinson can get better at when he generates an offensive rebound, just look mm. for a, a shooter. If he, he did it a couple of times against Miami later in that, um, as that series moved on. But to me, the, one of the bigger issues he has is that if he's not dunking the ball, any sort of layup attempt is a, I mean, he was under 50% shooting layups at the rim it's for a, a seven foot one guy. That is a, not, that's an issue. So that he's not, he doesn't have touch in that way. So if he can just generate his six or seven offensive rebounds and turn two of those into an open three point shot on the perimeter, I think that'll go a long way in um, diversifying that offense because he's got, um, he's got such a skill to generate those second chances and many of them, he's just able to put back if it's a floater, but if it's something where he's not under the rim and has a clear finish with uh, two hands, look out um, for the, uh, the shooters and just try to develop that skill set because I think it's something that he can, I've seen him do it. It's there. um, But it's just sort of training your mind to sort of make that connection when he's able to finish with two hands strong. And when it's, it's more of a contested layup because when it's a layup, contested for Mitch. It's not, not a great shot. That's a, yeah. that's one. I'm, I think it's, it's a realistic, it's a realistic one. I think it's something he can improve on. I love it. That's our first Mitchell Robinson mention of the, of the, yeah. uh, of the live stream. Uh, and by the way, he got better at it this year. It was his career yeah. best year passing the basketball. And I think that's really not saying, <laughs> it's not saying a lot, <laughs> but, it, but it's there, right? The improvement, can, like he can, he can take steps there. I think a lot of it comes down to, especially on the finishing side, can this guy figure out not to bring the ball down? Like, can he figure yeah. out keeping the ball high? That's a strength thing. It's also just a fundamental thing. Like, literally, that guy should be doing mic and drills three hours a day. Just keep the ball high. Like, nobody, no, he, you're, you're, you're one of the tallest players in the league. 
you go up and get that thing, nobody's there with you. And he mm-hmm. has a horrific tendency to bring it down to his knees where you can hack him and he right. can't make free throws. And I don't see that improving that much, frankly. Like I don't, I don't, this guy's not going to shoot 75% from the line. Like best case scenario is probably 60. And I don't even, I don't really see that. I think he just has pretty bad form and I just, I don't have a ton of hope there. Um, not cause not for lack of trying or working hard. I just, I just, some guys just aren't going to be good free throw shooters. But yeah. one thing you can do is finish stronger and avoid going there by finishing, by keeping the ball high. I agree. And, you know, we haven't had the Mitchell Robinson workout videos yet. So, you know, we'll see. Maybe there is something else in the bag that he'll. Uh, I'm sure they'll be us. very enlightening and, and encouraging. And it'll, it'll be a, a full day on Nick's Twitter talking about the Mitchell <laughs> videos. Kevin Danishevsky, what's up, brother? Good to hear from you. Agree or disagree with the following statement. Knicks are a contender. Oh, if they trade one of RJ Randall, get back a three and D wing. The on off numbers suggest so. Hmm. All right. Uh, Go ahead. If they let's say they trade RJ Fournier, and I know there's some cap machinations that makes makes this challenging, as uh, Jeremy uh, pointed out on the pod today. But let's just say they can figure out a way to get Paul George in in the mix, and RJ and Fournier is your your package. Basically, I think they are a viable Eastern Conference champion if they make that move. And that means like they are, I don't know if they would be the third best team in the East or the fourth best, but I think you can, you can, you can come up with a scenario where a Paul George, Randall, Brunson, Grimes, quickly Hart, Hartenstein, that group. And maybe there's another signing in there um, in terms of the mid-level, if there are another ancillary signing, that group can get you to the Eastern conference finals. And if you're going to the Eastern finals, then you have a shot. I mean, maybe it's a 10% shot, maybe it's 5%, um, but I think you are a Eastern Conference title contender if you make that specific move, because I don't know if there's another 3 and D wing that fits the bill, because um, Levine isn't that guy, on the obviously, on the defensive side. Um, I don't know if there's another guy that really makes sense other than Paul George, and uh, there's some issues, obviously, with the age and the injuries and then the contract, but that's the one where I think if you make that move, you're you can you can talk yourself into an Eastern Conference Finals, and then you have a shot. We'll see. Yeah. You. Well, I, the definition of contender has changed. Um, mm. They were almost in the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Uh, you know, right. it's like I, I don't know. It, the East is really weird. Um, it, it's only gotten weirder. I don't know what Philly's going to be doing. I don't know what Milwaukee's going to be doing. Um, Boston made a made a trade that. I think has a lot of upside, but has some downside. Marcus Smart was nothing if not reliable, and Porzingis is a risk. Um, Smart was probably their best passer. You know, not saying yeah, I, I, lot, yeah, but probably I mean, their best pure passer on the team. Exactly. I mean, there's yeah. there's some downside there, and Miami just made the finals for God's sake. So mm-hmm. I don't, you know, Paul George is like a unique three. He's like a three and D plus. You know, he's. Right. I, the way I read Kevin's question was almost more like, I don't know, I, not that they can like get Cam Johnson, but like it's kind of someone like like more like a really prototypical three and D guy. If they uh, maybe what he's getting at is like if we just like it's more complimentary than RJ Randall Brunson, who I guess there's some redundancy and we've we've spoken about that before. I, I yeah, yes. I, I even if that's the, even if they got someone like Cam Johnson or 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 Bridges or who like I, yeah. I think they are. I think the way the East looks right now, the way they played this year, 
Jalen Brunson being Jalen Brunson. Um, yes, I think the answer but is yes. I think it. I think it would have to be RJ though. I don't know if you can trade Randall for the regular season production that he's going to give you with all the issues yeah, in the playoffs and get, the, and get the seed you need, and then get the seed you need. Right. Although so again, I think would have again, Miami just I can't rely on that. I know, <laughs> uh, but it's just it, 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 it like just it has made, it has yeah. made me reconsider a lot of stuff. But uh, you, yeah. you know, tried and true, getting a high seed is really important. It's a really good point that that Randall's kind of the buoy of the regular mm-hmm. season, keeping you the consistency, the games played, the production is really important. Um, I'm with you there. All right. Before, before we move on to the next one, can I ask a, a caveat follow up? Does your opinion of a Paul George trade and their chances change if Miami gets Dame? It's a great question. And that team now exists in the East? A little bit. Um, a little bit. But injuries in the NBA, like... Uh, but you're trading for Paul George. You know, like... As no, far no, as like, injuries are concerned. No, like, 100%. But I'm saying like, uh, yeah, Miami would be the favorite, I think, in the East. Although maybe Boston and Miami would be kind of co-favorite. Like there's some good teams in the East. Um, I just don't Miami. That's, you know, Jimmy and Dame, there's health stuff there. You never know. Like it's still up. It's still out there for you. Um, and if you get Paul George on your team um, and you have a Brunson, you ran with, with Mitch and Grimes and IQ, that's a hell of a basketball team. I mean, Again, if Paul George is healthy, which is big if, but I think you're, I think you're in the conversation. I do. I think it's fair to say you're in the conversation. Be a fun, be a fun regular season. I'm definitely agree with you there. Uh, well, 50, 50 games of Paul George would be fun. Yeah. Give or take. Hey, what's up? Jonathan Macri here with our good friends at Oakley to tell you why Julius Randle's All-NBA season was more than meets the eye. In scoring over 1,900 points this season, Randle moved into 20th place on the franchise's all-time scoring list. He also averaged just over 25 points a night, becoming the seventh Nick ever to do so. Finally, he became just the 57th player ever to top 57 points. How's that for some symmetry? Yes, we're disappointed by his playoff performance, but even so, this season from Julius Randle gave us more than meets the eye. What's up, Knicks fans? Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. 
Hamdi's back. You're the man, Hamdi. Uh, outside top three picks. What other rookie do you like? Oh boy, um, Jacob Toppin, of course. <laughs> what do you got, DJ? Well, listen, I just did a, a hour and a half uh, film session on Jalen Martin of the Overtime Elite, and my God, anyone who spent hours watching those overlight overnight overlight. Overtime elite teams. God bless you. You are a better man or woman than I am because those are some rough watches. I'll just put it that way. Um, but where do you, you know, watch it? Where do you get it? Um, so there are some synergies got some games on there. Okay. There's, there's some other um I think they have a deal with Amazon or Hulu, one of those two. They did actually did have a have of course a they do. provider contract with some other um outfit. <laughs> but yeah, there were there are some ways, but it's not easy. Camera angles are rough. There's some random PA announcer that just stream of thoughts the entire game. I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> listen, so guys that were actually drafted, um, I'm a, I'm from Connecticut. And I know this is going to be a little bit of a Homer thing, but I love Jordan Hawkins and I like him in New Orleans. I think they can get as much shooting as you can possibly get. And he's, th- there's just something about guys that can fly off a screen and and make shots. It's like you don't. There's a ton of catch and shoot guys. It's a prerequisite now in the NBA. Almost a lot of guys can get pull ups, but you really don't see a ton of guys like JJ Redick or Kyle Korver where you're just flying around a screen at 100 miles an hour and you're able to make a, a shot off the catch. Hawkins can do that close to that level, and I feel like it's a skill set that's gone a, a little bit by the wayside. So it'll be cool to see him in an NBA roster. I think he's a great fit with that team. I, I think he's a there's some concerns with his body type, his, um, you know, his strength is, is going to be an issue. Anything inside uh, inside the pain might be a problem for him, but he is such a phenomenal scorer, or shooter, uh, excuse me. And I think for the Pelicans as a team, clearly going to go with Zion again. They're going to try it maybe a year. Maybe this might be the last year they, they go for this. But if you're going to have Zion and Brandon Ingram, you need as much shooting. So I think he's in a great spot. And I feel like he's a, just a fun offensive player to watch and almost like a dying breed a little bit. So he would be my, my pick as a guy that I, I just really just love watching. He's a fun, fun shooter. Love it. Um, I'm the wrong person to ask. I barely watch any of these people to be totally honest with you. Um, I will watch them once they're in the league, summer league. Um, but I will say like two weeks, right? I mean, summer league scheduled. Yeah. Yeah. Right next, Saturday. Saturday. next Saturday. He carved out the top three. So I'm going to go with Eamon Thompson. All right. Um, and the reason that I go with him is because what I have seen is someone who moves um, uniquely. Like, Special. yeah, that is, you know, you watch a lot of basketball film and there are certain things that jump off immediately when you watch a guy who's special. And like, I don't know. I haven't watched a skill enough and like, I don't know if the shot's going to like, I don't know. But what I do know is that that guy moves different than your average NBA player. And that jumps off the second. If you guys haven't had a chance to watch highlights, watch them um, because it'll build some excitement to watch to have this guy in the league. Cause it, it is, it is a special um, ability to change direction to, to get it through space. Um, it's pretty jarring when you watch it. So that's the guy I'm just excited to see what he does. I have no idea yeah. if it's going to be good or bad. I haven't watched enough of them. I don't have a take on him other than 
I'm excited to watch him because it's it's a different type of athleticism that he has. Absolutely. And his passing is another thing that is an outlier skill. I mean, I've heard enough people call him the best passer and not only in this draft, but in last year's draft in terms of skill set. Mm. So, I mean, you hear that enough. You're like, all right, six, seven can move like you um, it just pointed out. He's a special um, athlete in terms of um, how he can get up and down the floor, his agility and the fact that he is a elite passer along with that. I mean, yeah, the shot is obviously a from everything you read, not a, uh, a strength of his, but I mean, that whole Houston he's going to, I can't tell if it's a great spot or a terrible spot for him, but he is a, he presents, he has a skill set that that team does need. They have plenty of uh, scoring. They have plenty of guys that are obviously um, great with the ball in their hands as, as scorers. You add him to the mix, a very serious minded, great passer, great size. I mean, it's probably a, if he all pans out a, a good scenario for him uh, with the rest of those young guys over in Houston. Awesome. All right. Take the next one, DJ. Yeah. So this is Daniel Dennison. Thank you very much for um, the super chat. Really appreciate you guys so much. Um, does the amount of low hanging fruit in RJ's game make you more or less confident in the upside specifically finishing decision-making and streaky three? What do you got there, Benji? Yeah, I I think that might be a bit of a generous use of the term low-hanging fruit, I suppose would be my response. Um we're in, you know, we're we're not he's not a rookie. Uh he's been in the league now a few years. Um mm. and he has made improvements in certain areas. And there are more improvements to be made that he will make. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call them low-hanging fruit. Like finishing is gonna be an issue. Like he is not a great finisher. He doesn't explode to the rim. Um, well enough to become a great finisher. I don't think that will ever happen. Um, can he incrementally improve? Does he need to develop more craft? Um, a lot of it comes down to decision making, which is to your to your point, Daniel. Um, and what shots you take, which I think the playoffs showed kind of what that balance and what the model should be. Um, that to me is the low hanging fruit. Is really just the decision making. Um, I would agree, hundred percent. The three, the three ball, I don't think is low hanging fruit. It's, it's going to be a challenge. Like, can he get back to where? Like, I don't, I don't know the answer. Uh, none of us really know. Like, I think he can shoot 37 percent. I don't know. I think he can. Um, but if he just, and I've said this since man his second year, and I thought the playoffs was kind of proof of concept to me. Like, if he just, tr- if he just translates some of the rim pressure into passing, as opposed to tough rim looks, I think that answers two of those questions. The finishing will improve percentage wise because he's taking better looks and the pat and the pat and the assist numbers, decision making is automatically better if you're just using the driving gravity to get others looks the way man Jimmy Butler does. Um sometimes you play inside out instead of outside in. Get into the paint and then come out. Explore a DHO game like like Jimmy does. Um there are so many things with that body, that size, the ability to get into the paint that he can leverage. Um, that's the low-hanging fruit to me. And um, I think that makes me more confident in his upside because the playoffs made me more confident in his upside because I saw it. I saw it for a stretch there where I thought like, man, this guy is impacting winning at a high level um, with the way he's playing. So, Yeah. I would would you say the defense improvement is low-hanging fruit? No. No. Because I think he's, I, I, I think I don't, he doesn't move that well. <laughs> he what about just getting to where he was? I mean, just a because he was bad this year for most of yeah. the year. In the playoffs, he was okay. Can he get him getting to okay consistently? Is it's funny? I don't. Yeah. I, I think I actually. 
I don't know what the metrics say. I have to go back and you could tell me if you know. I, I, I thought his defense that year was a bit overrated. Um, Are you talking about he, the second, his second year? His second year where he had okay. he had Peyton and Bullock there to take the assignments. Right. So he was always on the weak. He was mostly on the weaker defenders. Like Peyton always took the point guard. Bullock always took the tougher wing. It's like RJ wasn't asked to do all that much. Um, he was mostly a weak side helper, which he's okay at. Um, it might be his best kind of skill as a defender, but like the more you ask of him on ball and with Jalen Brunson, he's going to be asked to do more on ball because Jalen's yeah. always going to be on the worst. of. So I, I think it's more less to do with him, like regressing on that side of the ball and more to do with a change in assignment and uh, just exposing his weaknesses in a way that, that he hadn't had to deal with as much before. Um, the last two years, I think. Although maybe this year was a little worse than last year. Um, so there was some regression maybe. But like I, to me, it's just like he's not that good at moving laterally. And it's a challenge for him. Um, so I wouldn't call it low-hanging fruit. I think he needs to improve. I think he will improve. I think he needs to at least get back to the level he was at hell last year. Like in terms of just like effort, physicality, like that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't know. I don't think it's low-hanging fruit necessarily. Okay. Well, So here's another RJ thing that has just always been has left me wanting more. And that's the fact that he doesn't use his, his body, his strength offensively enough. And I feel like he, it, 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 it's a benefit because once he gets past you, once he gets this, once you're aligned with him, hip to hip, you're not, it's very hard to, because he's so wide and so strong that it is so hard for a defender to sort of make up that ground and get back in front of him. He's going to have the advantage, but I don't see him, like Jimmy, you watch Jimmy Butler and he's very often, he's just always using his strength. It's like sealing a guy down in the paint and getting an easy layup. It's going to the offensive glass. It's really putting a shoulder into someone and moving them. And I just don't, I feel like that has never been, and then you go back to Duke, it never was a thing that he did there either. It's like, I, I wouldn't call this low hanging fruit because this just might be who he is as a basketball player. It's not a, it's, he's not a natural naturally physical player with the ball in his hands. And I feel like that is just something, I don't know if you've noticed that, but just one of those things where I just wish at his size and his strength, which I, I it's there and he actually moves pretty well. His first step, I think is actually pretty good, but you, you rarely just see him go through someone and it just, I just wish it was something he go to every now and then. Yeah. I think this is a guy who, um, for his entire life has beat everybody to his left and finished with a one-handed scoop for his entire life. And I think the the adjustment of someone who was able to do that forever and ever, and then all of a sudden can't do it consistently anymore because they're both their point of attack defenders are better, and because the help is NBA help. Um, I, I think that's been the adjustment for him, and I I do think he's gotten better. I mean, he puts guys on his hip now and then, and it's hard for them to get around him, and he's gotten better at that floater shot once he does that. Yes. Um, but he too often ops, and I think he got better at this towards the end of the year and into the playoffs. Like he too often just goes to the stock left-handed scoop shot that he's probably made his entire life. But now it needs a little bit more arc because there's a seven-footer coming over right. and a guy can rear view contest him and they just don't go in as much or enough. And you're right. Like I, the more he varies his finishing, the more he uses his right hand, the more he crosses back over to the other side. Like it's not just straight line left, it's lefty scoop where he's not getting fouled. Right. He's flailing. He's going away from the rim. Like all, yes, a hundred percent. Like he did have a couple of, of those. Yes. And he had those two left uh, inside. Even if he's on the right side, he's not using his right hand because he's not comfortable going 
through someone with his right hand. Yeah. But that inside left hand finish, yep. which he did a couple of times against Cleveland, that is a fantastic move. And it's just even though he's using the same dominant hand, it's doing it in a, in a different way. Yeah. And, and look, he's going to go ahead. Sorry. No, no. You please. Yeah, he and 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 what he got, what I thought he did well, and he's going to face so much of this as long as he's playing with Jalen Brunson is like they're going to put wings on Brunson and he's going to have point guards on him. And I yeah. did think in the playoffs, like when they put Garland or Mitchell, like his ability to get into the paint through the post, like back down and get to a little lefty jump hook or he has a little spin move now that he's added, like keep improving on that stuff. That's a different way to use your physicality, but he's able to get into the paint pretty consistently. Doesn't turn it over a lot, even though you'd think guys can kind of poke at it. He's good at just kind of securing the ball, getting into the paint and making a play again, try to translate that more into passing when the help comes, but like all that stuff, like vary the game more, less just straight left line, straight line, straight line, left drives Mm -hmm. and more variation using the strength, using the body. All of that, I think can only benefit him. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.